0: hello welcome to real-time strategy with triple point a bi-weekly podcast looking at gaming through the lens of pr professionals i'm sam and i'm joined by my co-host sarah and account director our amazing account director at triple point andrew carl how are you both doing today
1: good doing well thank you sam
0: so, Sarah, of course, you were on our first episode. Uh, so, many people are familiar with you, account executive here at Triple Point. But, Andrew, you are new to real time strategy. Uh, please tell the people a bit about who you are, what you do at Triple Point.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm Andrew. I am an account director here at Triple Point PR. I've been with the firm for over 10 years, um, which is crazy and hasn't gotten old to say, <laughs> or ha- I haven't gotten used to saying. I should I should say, um, I I lead a lot of strategy and uh, and ensure execution uh, across um, certain accounts. Um, I uh, do a, still do a lot of hands-on client work, still a lot of hands-on pitching and and uh, and media relations. Uh, I foster development of our junior staff. Hopefully, I've done well with the two of you so far. Uh, but uh, I also I also uh, you know work on the business development side, identifying and and helping to bring in new projects, new accounts, and and new games for us to work on.
0: Andrew, I'm curious. A topic on our first episode was how we found out and got into games PR. Obviously, we had a bit of more of a luxury of like the um, you know having people before us show us that games sure. PR was possible. How did you? come into this career path.
1: Sure. Uh, I started as an intern at a, at a PR firm outside of Boston focused on enterprise software, B2B um, technology type stuff. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, a good friend of mine who I worked there with, um, who some listeners to this podcast might know, uh, Dustin Blackwell, who is now running PR for Amazon Luna. Uh, he and I had worked together there as interns and became fast friends and, you uh, and I think soon into, or not long into our time there, we realized that we didn't, re- we weren't very interested in security software solutions or storage servers or, or, or you know the B two B tech stuff wasn't really our our passion. We shared a passion for games, uh, and we figured um, we should try to do games PR. So to get our foot in the door, we just made a website and started writing game reviews and news and kind of you know put on a kind of played at being journalists for a bit. And I think we did that. You know, this is a passion project, side project for maybe two years, something like that. Uh, and we're introduced just through that work. we um, met a lot of video game PR people, and uh, I think just one day after, after you know, we had kind of burnt the the candle at both ends for a couple years. I got really fed up, and and um, it was actually a couple weeks after GD, a GDC in Austin. So this is how long ago this was when GDC was still in Austin, when we had gone to a press event, a party thrown by Triple Point, and met some folks there. Um, uh, so a couple weeks after that, I was just fed up with the job I had, and I went through my backpack, found a business card, called up one of the at the time I think account supervisors at Triple Point, um, and just straight up asked if they were hiring. And from then on. Yeah, moved over here, started working in games, and here we are.
0: And like you said, through your great work helped uh, bring us, Sarah and I, to where we are now.
2: Absolutely.
1: I don't know how much credit I can take for that, <laughs> but I'm very happy to have you both here.
2: <laughs> and I guess another kind of question off of last week's episode, what is your favorite game?
1: Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> it's it's so one. subjective. It's so su- it's so subjective, and it's so, I mean, nostalgia-wise, it's probably Final Fantasy VIII. You know, like probably one of the, one of the games that had the most like emotional uh, impact on me as a as a teenager. Um, but like, if I if it's just about time spent, you know how like over the years it's maybe FIFA. But I'm very frustrated with FIFA often, <laughs> so I don't want to say that. Um, over the last five years. The far and away franchise that I've played more, uh, that I've spent more hours in than any other is Total War Warhammer. Um, so yeah. But that's kind of the gamut from a from a Japanese RPG to a sports game to a uh, fantasy war game. No, I think that's so. how we
2: all answered we did not have like one it was like, well, if you're talking about the past like year or the last five years or like our total lives, it's very Good.
1: different. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's toughy.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I had no idea you were such a fan of Final Fantasy Eight. I feel like yeah. it's always seven or nine when you talk yeah. to people. You yeah. don't meet very many like eight diehard fans.
1: Yeah, it's and it's I mean, I love seven and nine both as well but eight was the first in the series that I ever played I think that's something that you might find Sam mm-hmm. the more you talk to people who, who <laughs> have a Final Fantasy as their favorite game is like the first one you play is really often I think the most impactful but it was also like you know I think I was 14 15 years old you know playing a game about a teenage loner trying to find himself and how he fit into his strange world you know that tracks. <laughs> like that you know, I think any fifteen-year-old kid is gonna, playing that game is is maybe going to see some similarities. But yeah, minus you know, minus the magic and fighting and battles and stuff.
2: <laughs> and the hair, the long. Did you have long hair too, or no?
1: <laughs> I can not comment on that.
0: <laughs> well, I love talking about our favorite games, and thank you all. out there listening to to our first episode where Sarah, Caitlin, and I talked about our favorite games. We really appreciate the support. Anyone who checked out that first episode.
2: Absolutely. So let's jump into it before we get started. Just a disclaimer um, that we work with many companies across the games industry like Pokemon, Blizzard, Gearbox, and many more that may come up in this podcast. If you want to see a full list of our client roster, you can visit triplepointpr.com.
0: So now for this episode, Andrew is joining us to discuss PR during the holiday season, uh, which Such a this fun time. being my first full-time year during the holiday season, I have very quickly learned is a very busy time. Uh, How is everybody doing <laughs> with uh, juggling work and life during this busy season?
1: Well, juggling is the word, right? You know, especially <laughs> I, I've got a young family, so it's um, it's definitely a an exercise in. Time management and prioritization and things like that. Also, I feel you are unlucky, Sam, that this is your first holiday season in the industry because this is the craziest and busiest holiday season I that I can really remember. I think, um, you know, coming off or (laughs) coming toward the end of the pandemic, right? A lot of games were a lot of games were delayed. I think a lot of publishers need to or want to get product out there before the year ends. So. This is a this is a really busy
2: one. Mhm. And usually in January it's pretty quiet, but I feel like this will be a different year for you as well in that sense, because January is looking pretty packed.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, not to mention the prospect of more in-person events happening next year. Um, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But I'm excited. It'll be busy, but should be fun.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. But before we can think of next year, we have to think of this year. Right now we have coming up the game awards next week. We have quite a few launches coming up in the next few weeks before the holidays. Um, gift guide pitching, end of year roundups, holiday deals, and don't want to think about it, but like Valentine's Day pitching. I know we're starting that on some of our accounts. Yeah, Andrew's face is exactly how I'm feeling. <laughs> it's already it's already happening. Um, so I guess Andrew, as the most seasoned holiday PR pitching expert. Uh, I guess for this year and for in general, what do you feel like are the biggest challenges that the holiday season presents for PR professionals, as opposed to other busy times of the year, other holidays?
1: Well, I think since it's so busy, I mean, the number one challenge is kind of cutting through the noise, right? Getting um, the game or the project that you are working on and, and pitching the attention that it needs, it deserves, or, or you know, the client expects um that's been more challenging this year than in others since it's been so packed and so busy right but you know part of that is um picking your spots in the right way right being very aware of the competitive calendar trying to find a hole in it you know that that your um your pitch or your announcement or your launch might fit into but also um beyond that i think that when things are as busy as this it you also must focus on and, and certainly not forget or neglect um, the importance of uh, managing expectations with your clients and with the, you know the marketers that you and PR people that you work with, right? Um, it's a it's a maybe unfortunate truth that you know a piece of news uh, that you have in this November December time frame, you know is going to probably get less pickup. Than it would have in in June or July, just because things are so crowded, and you know, um, news teams are certainly not, uh, certainly aren't lacking, you know, new new stories to to write up and post every single day. So you know, um, ensuring you come to an understanding with your client about what is uh, you know a realistic expectation uh, in terms of coverage, in terms of reach, um, is really important, um, and and you know. Being flexible with the media and understanding the position that they are in, um, that that you know, they're as busy as we are uh, and that something that you would very much expect Outlet X to cover, it might not fit into that day's news cycle or, it, you know, a pitch that you very much expect Outlet Y to, to respond to or get back to on, it may go missed because things are, you know, the way they are. So um, appropriate and... Uh, and continued follow-up, um, you know, consistent messaging, all of that is, is really important.
2: Yeah, I think expectation setting, it's hard because, you know, it's like it's their baby and they're like, this is our thing we've been working towards for like however many years. Um, and I think also just not having that background of communicating with press all the time and really understanding, I guess, the pressure they're under right now is hard to communicate sometimes to clients because they just don't interact with press as much they do and as much as we do. Sure. And don't yeah. see, yeah, just how much, don't always have the pulse of as much as we understand is launching in this time and all that's happening and how that affects bandwidth.
1: Yep. And, you know, it's important to always remember this, but it's it's a bit under a magnifying glass uh, at this time. Is that You know, the different marketers and, and PR folks that we work with at, you know, different companies have different understandings of the media and how it works, you know, especially when we think of International clients who who might not um, have a uh, native understanding of how the media in the United States works, so ensuring um, that uh, that you can help educate them a bit and help with that understanding is really important. And really, the if there's a silver bullet to that, it's direct feedback from press. So you know. Um, Getting feedback directly from a reporter that yeah this is of interest but it might just not it might not fit because things are so busy or you know I can't take on that preview at this time because I've got this halo thing this other thing this other thing getting some getting direct feedback um, doubly important at this time of year.
0: So in terms of talking about the media and understanding and Howington having to navigate how busy of a time this is right right now for both of you who have a bit more experience of holiday pitching on your belts than I do. What have you found works and doesn't work in terms of when and how to pitch reporters during this time?
2: I only have one extra year, so I'm going to refer to Andrew on this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the when, you know, the when, uh, obviously, um, think about the calendar, think about what your reporters might be, or what your media targets might be doing, working on, um, you know, at different times of the of this period also are they going to be traveling for the holidays you know i think we all know that pitching the week of thanksgiving doesn't always uh uh you know bear much fruit um even the monday after thanksgiving some folks are still on their way back um that week before christmas gets a bit you know gets a bit uh, uh a bit squirrely so thinking not just about their their work schedule and what they might be working on this week or next week you know a review of this a preview of that but also think about how their personal lives might be affected, when they might be traveling, when they're taking time off, uh, and things like that. Um, the how, uh, you know, you need to stick out a bit more, right? It just becomes, there's more noise to cut through, right? I've never really been one for like stunts or like clickbaity subject lines to, to try to stick out. But but I've I've long felt that being upfront and honest and transparent with press is the best way to you know effectively work with them and effectively build relationships with them so um, so being very clear in your communications in your pitches about what the news is um, when it's hit- hitting why it's important you know for the industry for the franchise for the publisher um, you know focusing on that on that in our pitches can be can be very uh helpful also you know when things get this busy i like to pitch with just more lead time you know Offering news under embargo, you know, two weeks out uh, usually is maybe a bit too long. But mm-hmm. at this time of the year, that's that sometimes is what you need to do uh, in order to have the lead time uh, to 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 get the attention to to what you're pushing.
2: Yeah, I think striking <clears throat> striking that balance is so hard because you go too early and they're just like not thinking about it at all. They're like, I have too many things coming up right now. I can't think about December. So I think it's a finding that in between is kind of a balance. It's been interesting to navigate this year is like, all right, when is too early? When is too late? There is like a yep. sweet spot of like four days where you're like, all right, I have to align this very carefully. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. And it can be hard to identify that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, there isn't, it's more an art than a science, right? There isn't a, exactly like a straight up playbook for that. So, you know, I think, um, I think starting early, giving yourself some, some wiggle room and lead time can be effective. I also think that, you know, depending on what you are announcing depending on the type of news item you know the traditional you know pre-brief some core press blasted out wider on you know announcement day that might not uh, be a fit for everything right you know where should you be thinking more about uh you know a timed exclusive or a, a regional exclusive um where should you be thinking about uh you know an exclusive interview or or how are you sweetening the pitch with you know Extra data, an extra quote, something here for you, something here for you, something here for you. How are you? You know, how are you? Uh, how can you be creative without being clickbaity? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you know, because to me, creative pitching isn't always, you know, wordplay or or you know, uh, wonderful writing. It can be strategic. Strategic creativity can be. We're going to offer a quote from this person here, a quote from this person here, finding ways to to to. Effectively engage with the right audiences um, in the right time. Yeah, it doesn't always mean, like I said, acute subject line. Um, there's more. There's more. There needs to be more. In my opinion, there should be more meat on that bone, uh, in order to to really cut through the noise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You guys talked about lead time. I think one thing maybe some of the less you know more the the gaming enthusiasts listening to here might be interested to learn something i was fascinated to learn when i started um when it comes to gift guide pitching which is what uh sarah mentioned at the top of this conversation is that she mentioned valentine's day and you know even you know you still hear that in pr and you think oh that's over three that's over two months away i have no sense of time anymore um but In terms of getting into a Valentine's Day gift guide, or in the case of the season we're in right now, a holiday gift guide, that can begin as early as August or July if you're trying to secure placement in a physical gift guide. Um, So then it largely becomes uh, a year round effort of the first half of the year is research and maintaining those lists, looking at who's publishing Mother's Day and Father's Day guides, because those are often the people that you're gonna wanna get in touch with when it comes to the end of the year. So uh, again, building in that lead time, I figured it is an important part of strategy, but has become so key to success um, as I've gotten exposure to the process.
1: Yeah, the physical, you know, pitching for print, totally different beast.
2: Yeah, guides are insane. Just had like a fever dream flashback to like July when we started Christmas pitching, I was like, oh, my God. Um,
1: it sneaks up on you.
2: Yeah, it's, it really is a year-round process, and it's, to just finding the right people. But I think also, in terms of working with a client, is getting everything you need that early in advance and prioritizing it. And that's something we've worked on with clients. It's like, we need to know target games for Christmas, like, June, to really start getting stuff together. We need to know what you're targeting for Valentine's Day in, like, November, December, Um, that has been a huge help over like last year versus this year, just kind of getting clients used to that timeline of when realistically we need to start things, when do we need to have assets ready, when we need to have, you know, titles chosen to be able to meet those deadlines. It's at first when you tell people like, yeah, we need to have Christmas stuff by June. They're like, okay, like (laughs) being a little overzealous, but it's not, it's competitive
1: maybe we should note that you know a lot of the you know the print gift guides are focused on physical product right the video game industry has really gone almost all online i mean i don't i haven't bought a physical a physical boxed game in in years now right so but but um i think maybe it's just important to note that while maybe a lot of the work in video games is for Online storefronts and stuff like that. You know, there are still whether it's tabletop role playing or, or straight up board games. There's still um, there's still parts of the broader gaming ecosystem that are physical b- product driven, and and that's where yeah, that's where those gift guides can be hugely uh, impactful.
0: For sure, especially y- you bring that up, Andrew. I think the digital nature of games themselves, less so kind of the tangential things we work with with like tabletop, but the in terms of Video games, video games. Uh, It's been interesting watching everything play out this holiday season in terms of the product and supply shortages. And, of course, while that's affected uh, hardware, you know, your PS5s, your Xbox Series Xs and Ss so much, um, it has been nice, I guess, to see that, like, video games themselves can still get your normal Black Friday discounts. And it seems like that's one of the few things I am passionate about and follow closely that hasn't been impacted as much the software that is um then you know trying to get a tv this holiday season or a car even
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's something we can use to our advantage is like hey if you can't get anything physical you can buy this on steam in like 20 minutes and have it to someone so i mean so, so, there's positives to it but yeah it's, it's so fun navigating around shipping delays and trying to figure out when things are going to arrive places and if it's going to happen before Christmas or not.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) So we talked about how to cut through the noise, playing around with the timing of the holiday season. Do either of you have any other tips or tricks in terms of holiday pitching or stories that you feel may be useful to share
1: with all those listening out there? I would say just a broader kind of high level tip is like be flexible Right, be open to, you know, going outside the guardrails of the normal established, you know, uh, announcement process and and that, the traditional, you know, pre-brief announce, etc. Get creative strategically, you know, do more than just write fancy pitches, you know. Um, think about timelines, think about assets, both informational and visual. Come to press with something of value, and um, and yeah, be ready to. Like I said, be flexible. Be ready to change those plans uh, at the last minute. Um, and then finally, try to enjoy it. Like it goes really fast, right? Um, and there's absolutely going to be moments of stress or or anxiety. But um, when you can land those big hits in a crowded market that make a big uh, that make a big impact for your client, it's you know it should feel all the better. Mm.
2: Absolutely. Um, I think the only thing I could really add to that would just be to Make it as easy as possible for the reporter. Have everything ready. Have as much copy and assets and videos ready. Just have everything packaged up so that the reporter can really just take it, turn it around easily. You know, they're limited in time, bandwidth. Make it easy for them to write up coverage and to cover your game.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's always important, but as with many other things, it gets magnified Mm -hmm. when, when things are this busy. So, yeah.
0: Two final questions I have, uh, as still, you know, I th- we're always learning, but especially as a more junior level employee at Triple Point, always learning here, uh, especially dealing with the holiday season. A, when deci- when decide, what are the advantages versus disadvantages of choosing, you know, a December late November announcement versus perhaps a product that could wait to be announced in January? One thing that comes to mind is like the valentine's day pitching that we talked about maybe um if it is something coming out next year maybe you want it announced now that way you can begin pitching it for valentine's day gift guides at the start of next year are there any other examples that come to mind of strategically choosing what's good about a late fall announcement versus an early next year announcement
2: i think it's just fresh and new for christmas like this new game has just come in but I think if you, you know, come around to Christmas the following year and you release your game in February, it's not as fresh and new for guides and for gifting and that kind of thing. Um, all depends. But that is something that comes to mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, right? Because if if um, if PR was the only voice in the room, you know, I think there'd be a lot of of recommendations to wait till January or February or, or what have you, right? However, we far from it we I mean we we never work in a vacuum right we are far from the only voice in the room right so you know a lot of uh, a lot of the times the timing is something that we can you know influence a bit but the final word is run by you know marketing or sales teams I think like I said earlier right now I think there are a lot of publishers that need to you know get product out before the end of the year for financial reasons you know they need to um, increase their their revenue for um, the quarter or the fiscal year or what have you um and so a lot of times what is on us is to manage that right work with what we have which is in some cases we have to get this out before the end of the year um, but to kind of massage that process into as impactful from a press perspective or from a marketing perspective as we can make it um, I also think that every project is different, right? There are some games that just kind of scream Christmas gift, right? There are some games that are uh, an easy sell to say a parent who purchases games for their kids. You know, maybe they've got elementary or middle school kids who aren't buying games on their own, right? They're asking for certain games, or they're they're, they're request- You know, they've got a wi- a Christmas wish list full of games, um, um, or it's an uncle or an aunt or a grandpa mother or grandfather who wants to you know buy a game for their for their nephew or niece or or grandchild and they don't know they don't know much about games but there are games out there that will really appeal to them whether it's with you know family-friendly box art or you know it's the new mario game the new pokemon an easy sell so there are um there are games that just make more sense to to be selling at the holidays and then there are games to that that you know can wait a little bit, and and can perhaps and we can help to perhaps find the better time frame for uh, maximum impact.
2: A new Pokemon game around Christmas is like a parent grandparent favorite. Just done. <laughs> sell right. Yeah. Easy, bo- easy
1: purchase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, if and for many, I think you could say the same thing about Call of Duty. You know, for better or worse, right? Like I would prefer my kids playing Pokemon, perhaps if they're that young. <laughs> but but but. Either way, you know, these are, these are games that sell really well mm-hmm. at that time of year. And, you know, if you think about it from a business perspective, it makes sense that, these pub- that publishers need to get some of the, this stuff out in that time frame. And, um, and like I said, then it becomes marketing and PR's job to make the best of that time frame and uh, within it find, uh, you know, find the ways that we can give the, the best boost and the best impact.
0: Absolutely. So my last question, having us talked about how to navigate communications with press and clients during this busy season, how do we navigate communicating with our families during the holiday season? Uh, Because this time of year involves, whether it's Thanksgiving, all the December holidays, being with family and naturally work comes up. We talked about this a bit last episode, so I wanna start here with Andrew. Andrew, when you're around family, how do you explain to them what you do?
1: I tend to say, or I tend to explain that, you know, I, I work in marketing, you know, and I work in a subset of marketing called public relations or PR. We're, we're the part of the marketing team that, that works with the media. Um, you know, that usually, that works for most of them, of most of my family, but not all. And, you know, sometimes I have to get a bit more specific, but I try to keep it, try to keep it high level.
2: How often do you get asked, oh, do you make the games?
1: <laughs> um not that often anymore, but I have I have certainly been asked that. Or they say, like, oh, so you work on games? Like, not really. <laughs> you know, I work in games. I work to market games. I'm not I'm not designing or developing anything other than communications plans.
2: Yeah, it's a fun distinction to make. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sarah, do you have any things you tell your family that we didn't cover last episode?
2: Um, my parents are pretty good about now. I don't think they understood video games as an industry and like how I slotted into that for a while Um, but they understand it now and love it. Um, I think when it comes to people that are like more disconnected like I think um, or just don't know the industry as well like my boyfriend's grandparents explaining it to them. I, I think just kind of I also just lay it out in like a I will lay out a broad platform like a broad scope of what I do and see where they start nodding their heads and then go with that. So I'll be like, I work on video <laughs> games. Like we work with like Pokemon. I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, okay. So like we work on like helping to communicate to the public about those games um, and just kind of more broad communication about it. Cause if like if I go too far into like what PR is and also we work on a lot of different communications. So I just kind of sum it up in that way and see if I can find a name that resonates with them that they've heard Um, they're like oh okay yeah i'm like yeah that (laughs) (laughs) i do that
0: (laughs) yeah andrew made an excellent point about uh keeping it as high level as possible is yeah Yeah. always a good strategy like anything you
2: could show them like you're like this trailer i worked on this a game and helped to like premiere this trailer and they're like ah so like
1: i don't even go that
2: far (laughs) it's when they're like really when you have those long discussions. Like, dinner's not ready for another hour. And they, like, are kind of keep going with the conversation. You're like, this trailer. So, this this is a game I worked on. Um, I, that was really fun. I think, especially this summer. Like, trying to show... My, my dad's 73 and he's so up to date with technology. But showing him, like, I expect you to die, too. And, like, kind of laying that out for him in, like, VR. I don't think he's used an Oculus before or anything like that. Um, and then also... Explaining it to people that have never used VR is like a whole nother level of into the weeds. Um, But yeah, I think it's just see where they start nodding more and then just take that branch and go with that.
0: So that wraps up our conversation about PR during the holiday season. But as we discussed at the top, a part of the holiday season for the last several years now in terms of video games are the Game Awards. So that brings us to this week's triple point of interest. The Game Awards are right around the corner. By the time this episode comes out, they'll be less than a week away on December 9th. Uh, I'm always excited for them. A nice fun end cap, uh, big, you know, kind of pop off for the end of the gaming year. And of course, a part of the Game Awards are big announcements. Uh, just as as fans, as gaming enthusiasts, as we are, is there anything you both hope to see from the Game Awards?
2: Final Fantasy XVI.
1: <laughs> uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Ooh,
0: yeah. Do you think Starfield might be possible? I feel like that's
1: yeah. Starfield gameplay would be great to see. Yeah, but they might be saving that till who knows? They might be saving that till till E three. I'm I'm. I like to go into the Game Awards like ready to be surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially last year, I remember I, I most of what was revealed, I, I, I didn't really see coming. Um, I think, I think it's really interesting how the Game Awards has grown into such a major marketing vehicle for the industry in what feels like a few short years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's at the expense of E3 and some of these other events, but, um, but the team Jeff Keeley and the team there have done a great job. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to being surprised.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way, like, the the partners that Jeff Keighley has worked with over the last several years has really earned the reputation that the award show has at this point. Like, the first glimpse of the Xbox Series X was shown at the Game Awards two years ago in 2019. Last year, we saw Perfect Dark from Xbox. A lot of, you know, big Microsoft reveals, even... Nintendo for a while had a lot of big reveals at the Game Awards. I remember we had a big chunk of Breath of the Wild gameplay in 2016 before the game launched in 2017. Uh, personally, my answer to this question would be I would love to see some some footage of the new Breath of the Wild game, but I could understand Nintendo wanting to save that for their own Direct. Uh, and then they they've revealed Smash characters at the Game Awards, so... I, I do agree with Andrew that I'm sure there'll be plenty of things there that it did not expect will be very pleasantly surprised by.
2: Nothing could top Sora in Smash. I so know. They got, <laughs> they got to save maybe Breath of the Wild gameplay. That's why they got to save that up to <laughs> next level. It.
0: They couldn't dare put Breath of the Wild and Sora in the
1: same direct. has been a
2: gap after that one. They're like, we're just going to let that resonate.
1: <laughs> I'd like to start a pool at work, like, you know, <clears throat> a betting pool to to, to see... Who can guess the total number of like I don't know minutes of Death Stranding content <laughs> that would be part of the show? You make that a good a point. Good I do think we'll see something from Kojima. I'm being fac- I'm being facetious though because it you know it, there's a lot of Kojima in the Game Awards and in Jeff Keighley's content. It feels like yeah. um, <laughs> they're we'll friends. How much, it's yeah. very wholesome. Yes, clearly, clearly, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we'll see how much see how much there is this this time around.
0: Now, in terms of the game awards themselves uh, this year, the Game of the Year nominations are Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Depart, and Resident Evil Village. I'm reading here from GamesIndustry.biz. The Arcane Studios Deathloop title led in nominations this year with nine. Um, It was then followed by Ratchet & Clank, Rift Depart with six nominations, and then It Takes Two and Psychonauts 2 tied for five. So, just out of curiosity, do either of you th- have any predictions on what's going to take the the big award at the end of the night?
1: I'll be surprised if it's not Deathloop.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. I'm kind of like silently rooting for Resident Evil, but like I think it I just based on the number of nominations, I think it'll be either Deathloop or Ratchet and Clank. Just cuz Ratchet and Clank is a fan favorite, I feel like it has a good chance as well.
1: Yeah, I think I'll be surprised if it's not Deathloop. I, it's also funny. I think it's or I think it's interesting to look at these nominees, you know, from on high, right? Like there are some serious shootery games, you know, like Deathloop and Resident Evil Village, and maybe Metroid Dread. You know, fits in there too. Like there's a there's a nostalgia play in in Psychonauts too, and there's a more of a family friendly but a very high quality game in in Ratchet and Clank. You know. It feels to me like it's always that first group that ends up winning. You know, that's why I think it'll be Deathloop, but but um it's a good range of of nominees.
0: Yeah, I think my theory is I not just because Deathloop leads in nominations, but I think for good reason Arcane Studios has become quite the darling um within not just the press but like a lot of more hardcore immersive sim fans. So I think people are very excited at the potential of Arkane Studios finally getting its due after you know Dishonored 1 and 2 and Prey maybe not getting as much attention as some people believe they deserved.
1: Well, Deathloop got plenty of it. Yes, it did. <laughs> a ton of it. For good reason. For good reason, I, yeah. Congrats to whomever wins and, and everyone for being nominated.
0: Yes, yes. Congrats to everyone involved. Sarah! you'll get to be there
2: yeah we'll do a live podcast with very poor <laughs> iphone quality <laughs> live from the game awards um no it'll be really cool i'm excited to see the other end of things you know watching it on tv and for on twitch for years it'll be cool to see what goes on behind the scenes i don't know it's gonna be interesting i'll report back next episode
0: yeah, I'm, I'm personally very excited just to hear your your first-person account from the award. So you'll have to wait to episode three to hear that because for now, this has been Real-Time Strategy with Triple Point. You can find us at Real-Time Strats on Twitter. You can email us questions, feedback, whatever have you, at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us this week.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Very fun. And- uh, I'm you know of all the busy seasons to be doing i'm glad to be taking on the holiday season with you both same here all right and on that note thank you all so much for listening